Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zenderance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. As Zenderance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zenderance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. Are you ready to embark on a journey of self-improvement, fatherhood, and creating strong relationships within your family? Well, look no further because this podcast is here to guide you every step of the way. We are thrilled to have a very special guest joining us on this episode. Brandon, the amazing founder of TRT Community and host of all things testosterone, is here to share his expertise and insights on becoming a better father and husband, as well as successfully navigating the challenges of a blended family. With the world's largest support group and podcast for men and women undergoing testosterone replacement therapy, Brandon knows the ins and outs of personal growth and creating a fulfilling life. But what makes this conversation even more exciting is his personal experience in the realm of blended families. Through his own journey, he has discovered effective strategies and valuable lessons that he is eager to share with all of you. So whether you're a dad looking to improve your parenting skills, a husband striving to strengthen your relationship, or navigating the complexities of a blended family, this episode is jam-packed with wisdom and practical advice. Get ready to be inspired as Brandon opens up about his experiences and offers valuable insights that can transform your family dynamics. And hey, if you're interested in connecting with Brandon, collaborating, or having him as a guest on your show, don't hesitate to reach out. You can check out his incredible work at www.testosteronepodcast.com. Get ready to show and create the loving, supportive family you've always dreamed of. Let's dive in together. Welcome to the show, brother. Man, I appreciate you having me on. And, you yeah. know, not to pull the curtain back too too far, but the live intro is pretty amazing. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, we always strive to to really give honor to our guests. You know, yeah. um, you guys are what makes it special. So I just want to give back to you guys as much as possible. Yeah, I get that. I just have to do it, you know, when nobody's looking right at me, you know, after the show, do it, you know, behind the scenes, post-production. But I can appreciate the... um the value of, of minimal post-production work, right? Like now it's done. You don't have to do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always been a big fan of uh, 
you know, done is better than perfect. So yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. Well, let's dive in, man. I, I just kind of want to ask you a question about you being a father, right? And what are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome as a father? So I think, I think that it's kind of adapted over the years, right? Like initially the biggest problem that I had was what most, most dads have. And it's just, I don't know how to relate to a baby, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's not that nurturing, um, the natural nurturing vibe that I would get. It's a blob baby that, you know, that she didn't do a whole lot. Um, and so I had a problem, um, I guess, figuring out where I fit in with that, Mm -hmm. um, that was something that was almost superseded by just a general fatigue. I mental fatigue, physical fatigue. I didn't have the energy to put into figuring out how I was supposed to fit in with a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forwarding to now having a blended family, it's it makes my earlier problems seem like elementary school. Uh, it it can be super super difficult to figure out how to relate to each one of your children. I went from having one child to having four children um, and and how how to relate to them. I've got three girls and a boy. Every one of them is different. You have to approach them differently and figuring out how to build those relationships has probably been the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. What are some practical tips for, for that that you can share with our audience? Um, blending a family specifically is something that takes time. It's not mm-hmm. something that you can put a timeline on. Uh, so patience. Patience, uh, not just with the timeline, but with each individual kid. Like I said, they're all different. So, uh, you, it is, it is my job as a father to not only cultivate those relationships, pursue those relationships, um, but figure out what that looks like. My wife and I were both um, raised by dads who did not do that. We, mm-hmm. I have a relationship with my dad now. She does not um, have a relationship with her dad, and a lot of that is because they did not pursue those relationships. Uh, even my dad, it's a little rocky. So I am really big on the, I'm a grown up. I'm the emotional intelligent one. My eight year old is not as emotionally intelligent as I am. It is my job to make sure that we have the best relationship that we can have. Mm, I like that. You said that you're the grown up, right? I think a lot of times we forget that, you know what I mean? We get offended when a child for instance, um, questions us, yeah. right? And yeah. we we take that offensive. And at those moments, like you said, we have to take a step back and realize, hey, I'm the one with the emotional intelligence. Yep, exactly. Um, and it's it's easy to get offended, right? And mm-hmm. just and I still do it. Just recently, I I've had um, a rough path with one of my four, rougher than the other three, and it was the one that in the beginning was the craziest about me. So what I have realized recently is I had this aha moment when any of my kids were, were responding to me in or the world in some sort of negative way, I would respond back at them in the same way. So I was sinking to their level, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And what that looked like with this one, one kid in particular was, was me kind of crossing my arms and the silent treatment and the huffing and puffing and that kind of thing. She's, she's emotionally immature and I was just sinking right down there. So uh, realizing things like that and and not taking it personally, she's not mad at me necessarily. She's mad at the world. So let's come beside her and try to walk along. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and show her how to navigate those things. 
And it's crazy too, because if you don't have that awareness, you obviously are are going to get upset and offended, right? Um, one of the things I tell my fathers that I talk to is that a strong-willed child is going to take more work. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why those strong-willed childs backtalk or don't follow the rules is because they are natural leaders and we need to see them as that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to follow the norm. They are natural leaders. Yeah. Once we understand that, we don't take offense to that. We see that they're going to require more training, right? Because that's what discipline is. It's training. We're going to start pouring into them. We're going to start seeing where they need it. You know, one kid might only take one discipline for the day and he's okay, you know, versus my strong will child, which might have 10 to one you know, 10 disciplines to one (laughs) out of boy, you know what I mean? And we just got to understand that and know that, Hey man, foolishness is stored up in the heart of a child. Well, what's the alternative? You squash them down. I mean, you know, like, Mm -hmm. is it, is it possible to, to squash that leadership out of them if you handle it inappropriately? Yeah, exactly. Exasperating our children. And that's exactly what we do. And we usually don't see that until they get into their teenage years. That's the fruit of it. Yeah. How do you think that that manifests itself as a teenager. I've seen it, it within cutting themselves, uh, self-loathing, um, yeah. not being able to fit in. Uh, uh, some teenagers I've seen where they actually don't want to leave the room at all. They want to isolate, you know? So it, it manifests itself in different ways. I think it's a, one of the big contributors to negative groups such as gangs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? They're trying to find themselves in a sense because we just squashed that out of them right Right. so it's 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 unfortunate you know a lot of parents think they're doing the right thing but in the end they're actually not doing the right thing you know having understanding right and and learning about these things because we were never taught that yeah so i certainly wasn't (laughs) so how has becoming a father changed your uh, perspective of life and uh your personal growth so for uh, yeah, personal growth. I think it it gives you a whole different dimension of reason mm-hmm. to grow. You know, um, you can for at least for myself. I'm I'm only so hungry when it's just me, uh, and having having a family on board. Not not just financially. In fact, not even really financially. Uh, just you know, like what we're talking about. To I don't I don't want to raise a gang member. I don't want to mm-hmm. raise someone that's going to cut themselves because of something I did. So it it puts me in a position to where I have to seek resources and I have to do that personal growth or those are the consequences. So, um, you know, doing things like this, um, doing the blended family podcast that I do diving into research, those are the types of things that I am interested in. And, and luckily my wife enjoys it too. Like it's, it's a hobby of ours, so to speak, or a lifestyle. We, we want to raise our children uh, as best we can. And I think that started when we became or before we became a blended family, but that's what prompted it, you know, the bigger family and and the motivation to actually uh, give a shit about mental health. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have a partner that actually supports and is on the same path as you? Oh man, it's absolutely necessary. Um, you, you can, you can fight some of these battles on your own. And in fact, you know, I believe that it would be my obligation to do so if my wife was not supportive of it. Um, but it, it makes it so much easier that, you know, being on the same page, there are questions that you need to ask before you, before you decide to, to take on a spouse, to make sure that in my opinion, to make sure that those things are going to match up. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now talking about blended families, because I have a lot of people, I, I, I really don't have that much um, experience with blended families other than what I saw with my brother. And, you know, I have a lot of men who come to me and ask me about that dynamic because I understand it's, it's, it's very tricky in the way you navigate it. Right. Um, what would your advice be for a father who's struggling to establish a strong connection with their children? So I personally, in in my experience, it's harder. Um, the blended family aspect is harder. There are always surprises. Um, there are always things that you don't expect. I think the number one thing um, that has helped in my family is intentionality. Mm-hmm. Remember that it is it is my job to do it. I have uh, an almost nine year old, an almost twelve year old, a fourteen year old, and a seventeen year old. None of them are as wise as me. None of them are as emotionally mature as I am. They just don't, they're, they're kids. They don't have it. I have to take that on. I have to try to relate to them. I've got my youngest. She's my biological kid. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's a talker. I don't, I don't like to listen all that much, but I have to be intentional and I have to sit down on the floor and listen to her stories and engage her in that way. Um, my oldest is an artist. I don't vibe on art either, but you know, I'm going to have to have to sit down and draw with her occasionally. And those are the things that that you have to do as a father and it meeting them where they are has, has been, has made like huge, huge improvements in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you dying to ourself, you know, cause I I'm like you, there's certain things I, my attention span, you know, I'll be focused on that. And then all of a sudden it's like squirrel, you know, I'm <laughs> looking the other way. And yeah. you definitely have to be intentional with your children, especially during the stuff that you don't want to do necessarily, but gay, guess what? It's important to them. Yeah. The other really big pieces that, that we've implemented is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids tend to, um, they want to do right. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to do the vacation. They want to go to the place. They want to go to the restaurant. They want to have the food, but then they also tend to be disappointed a lot of times because of this, you know, it's, it's a letdown. It's not exactly what they thought. You know, if, if you Christmas morning, I guess from an adult perspective, let's pretend like we didn't have kids. And in that case, and if you take out the religious aspects of it, it's just another day and, and people build it up like it's something super special, but it can be a letdown. So, expectation management for me has been huge because I would pour resources and time and money into some of these things. And then they would be let down or they would be bored or they would want to be done within 15 or 20 minutes. So I have to realize that again, they're just kids um, and, and manage what my expectations are going to be of their response to something that, that I have given them. No, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I've seen that even in my own walk, um, you know, because you want to, obviously, you have this grand idea or this vision, right, of how certain things should go. Yep. And then your kids are just like, oh, whatever, dad. And then, what? you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you get offended, right? right? That's a part of self-regulation and controlling your own emotions. You know, that my wife constantly just is always letting me know, hey, control yourself, you know, that little elbow nudge or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I, I've seen that too, where I'm offended now because they're not enjoying it. I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of time to do it. And it's like, I got to remember in those moments, my presence is the present, just being engaged with them. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if 
I'm taking him to the Irvine Spectrum or whatever for holiday nights or, or even just going back home to Santa Fe, New Mexico and, and going and seeing the, the real pretty lights that they have throughout downtown and stuff like that. You know what I mean? As long as I'm there with my family and I'm engaged with them at that moment is what matters to them. Yeah, absolutely. They may not care about Santa Fe at all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly you know it's funny too because my like my oldest daughter she's all that's her her love language she loves quality time right and that goes back to understanding what your child's love language is yeah. hers is quality time so if it's getting wings from you know one of the wing places out here and sitting around the table and just talking and communicating or going out to dinner or or going out to wherever we go right she just cares about that that's it that that's what fills her love tank right yeah and it's important to know that with each and every child because they're each and every one of them are unique and different from the other ones so yeah yeah we've got one that is um affection and I can see it, you know, my wife is not a physical, physical touch person. So I can mm -hmm. see, it. um, she does it. My wife allows, allows the physical touch. Right. But I can see it zapping her, her energy and filling the other, it empties one tank and it fills the other. So then I have to make sure that I'm going behind and regulating whose tank is, is full. You know, my wife's is getting low now. So let's, let's pour into hers so that she can pour into theirs. Hmm. Yeah, like, you're absolutely right. You know, we got multiple facets that we're controlling there. <laughs> you know, and I got to pour into this one. I got to pour into, this. and then also you got to be self-aware too, because you're pouring out. Who's yeah. putting putting in you? Yeah, you know. So what is it? What do you do to make sure you're getting poured into? Uh, so my love language is physical touch, and okay. my wife somehow it 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 drains her tank a little bit differently whenever it's a kid. Uh, she, she does dig on the physical touch with me, but ultimately I find that, um, what fills my tank the most is, is God. And for me, that looks like grabbing my guitar and just like, Hey, I need you guys to empty the house for an hour or two. And I'm just going to like play and sing poorly, just worship and cry and, and do my thing. And, and that fills me up enough to, you know, sustain that week of pouring into the, the kids love language tanks. Mm. And it's good to see that they get to watch you being vulnerable as well. Yeah. And I don't do it in front of them, but they know what's going mm. on. You know, it's a, Hey, y'all, y'all get out of my face. Cause I'm going to get ugly here. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, uh, that's definitely something that's very needed. I see. Um, they know my kids know when I come to my room, cause I have a tendency of isolation, right? Mm. When I need, when I know I'm done, my tank is empty. I go to my room. I get into my Bible Right. I, I start praying to God, just like you and, you know, letting the, the, the water work start flowing, you know what I mean? And stuff like mm -hmm. that. Cause there's something special about that time. You know, some people meditate, whatever, to me, that is my meditation and just being alone in the presence of God. doesn't matter how tough you think you are when you're in his presence. It's crazy because you are humbled in that yeah. moment. Well, that's how you know it's working, you know? Yeah. The, the harder I'm crying, the better I'm going to feel for the next seven days. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you sleep so good too. <laughs> you know, we we understand and we've talked about this on on our previous podcast about how a father has the ability to change the environment. How do you affect or create a harmonious blended family environment being there? So and and I have to say that it's not just um 
just a good thing, right? So I I have the ability to change that environment for the better and for the worse. Yes. And so, and and I'll admit it, you know, whenever I I change it for the worse, um, it's usually kind of like you're talking about not to fill, but it's an isolation. Uh, I have a tendency to be able to to make people feel like they don't even exist without, without looking at them, without saying anything, because I can just ignore you without ignoring you, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I think it's important that, that everyone be able to recognize the things that, that they do that cause those harms. Right. And I can, I can feel how harmful it is to my family when I get into that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so the flip side of that is that I just make sure that I stay engaged uh, when I can feel myself withdrawing. That may be whenever it's time to ask the wife if she's you know willing to empty the house and let me do my worship crying thing. Mm -hmm. um, but just so that I can, I can stay engaged because whether it's good or bad, I can definitely affect the whole vibe of the house, you know, from polar opposites, great to, to terrible. My oldest daughter can can do the same thing. Her her mood affects everyone in the house differently in a way that no no other child does. When we do that and we change that whole environment in our home, that just goes to show you the influence we have. Yeah. You know? And yeah. as fathers, we need to realize that we carry that much power. And my fear families. is that many of us don't realize it, you know, and we just kind of skate through life not understanding the impact on that temperature that we have within the house. And then our kids get old enough to escape. They go and live their life. They probably do the same thing. Um, you know, the boys, at least, uh, they, they, they don't know any better. Right. So it's, it's important to know your, your effect and be able to regulate that. Well, think about the message that we're also sending them to, you know, when you're not validating somebody, right. Yeah. Well, we're, if they're not getting validated at home where it should be a, a safe environment where they get their accolades and stuff like that, where do you think they're going to turn to? That goes back to children seeking outside sources that are negative, such as gangs or even I had a, a, an ex-CIA operative on this show talk about how Al-Qaeda was picking kids like that. Really? To do their dirty work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because you know they're they're so hungry for the validation. That's where you get mm -hmm. uh, girls that become strippers or the drugs or um, people. You know, my, my one of my fears is that I'm going to have a daughter that that seeks their validation from from boys. You know, and that's not something I'm interested in. No, for sure. Um, one of the questions I always ask uh, a lot of the fathers that we have, like we have this. Uh, one episode that we call the Lyman Chronicles. And I get blue collar dads on here talking about, you know, their experiences, what they do to be better fathers and stuff like that. And I always ask them, are you okay with your daughter growing up and marrying somebody like you? Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, so it's tough, right? Because in the sense that I always strive to be improving, Mm -hmm. Yes, but I do just as many embarrassing or shameful things or, you know, I'm just as guilty as the next guy. So uh, I think what I might do better than the average dad is I recognize it and I strive to improve it and uh, I strive to be humble and not mm -hmm. just rule with an iron fist and this is the way that it's going to be. And um, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to have some sort of meltdown with one of your kids and, and have to go back and right that wrong and tell them why dad was wrong and 
you know, cry with them and say, Hey, listen, this is, I'm a human just like you are. And these are things that, that I need to be doing better. Uh, that's a hard conversation to have, but it's hundred percent necessary for them to see you being vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. And it's imperative too, because when you're able to humble yourself and go to them and show them that you are vulnerable, that you make mistakes, the message that it comes out of that is, man, it is so powerful. I had my daughter one time and I don't know where she got this, but she came up with this notion that she needed to be perfect. Right. And I, you know, part of being a father is listening. And I heard that in her because she kept saying it, saying, I'm not perfect like you. I'm not perfect like you. And I was really listening to what she was saying. And in that moment, she was saying that she sees me as this perfect person who doesn't make no mistakes, who she is burning herself out because she can't live up to it. Right. Yeah. So I have to stop her and correct her in that aspect and be like, look, I am so sorry that I haven't shown you any kind of vulnerability. And I have to start changing my ways. It was becoming very vulnerable and, and intentional, right? With my ways, like we're talking about, but I started telling her, look, I don't expect you to be perfect, honey, by no means. And I started having to show her, like when I made mistakes, I would come to her and, and be like, man, I made a mistake. You're absolutely right. Even something as simple as freaking out and yelling at somebody at a stoplight right <laughs> yeah because their heads up their butt yeah. and uh her turning around and calling me out on it and be like hey dad you tell me not to yell at my brothers but you're yelling at this guy you know what i mean and it's like yeah you're absolutely right and being humble yeah to be able to say you're absolutely right honey i'm sorry for that mm -hmm. you know that has tremendous tremendous value i cannot stress how important that is for our children to see that it does. Uh, one of those tough conversations that I had to have recently was was that it was uh, like I mentioned earlier, meeting or matching their uh, their emotional state mm -hmm. and kind of sinking to their level. So I had to go back to my almost twelve year old daughter and say, um, you know what what I'm noticing is that you feel like I'm angry at you a lot more often than I'm angry with you, and what's happening is that. This is how you're reacting to the world. Uh, it's kind of an arms crossed pouty thing. And that's exactly what I do to you whenever you aggravate me. I arms crossed. And I don't do that to anyone else. I just do it to her. Mm -hmm. So pointing that out and she was like, yeah, I, I can see that. That makes sense. And I don't like it when you do it to me. So that's what I'm doing to my siblings or mom or whatever or the, the world. Um, so that one was tough because it wasn't just like a Hey, dad's making a mistake here. Let, let's see what we can do to correct it. But it was like this deep, deeply rooted uh, emotional immaturity that was coming out of me on a, on a consistent basis. And, mm -hmm. and what it looked like is, is that I just didn't like this one particular kid as much as the others. That's what it felt like to her that, that I had something against her and it had, had nothing to do with, with her. It was just like, I was mimicking her emotions. Mm -hmm. That one was rough having to admit that and talk through that with a 12 year old. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, I had something similar like that with my daughter to where I, cause when it's your oldest, right. Or whatever, you know, obviously they got the crash course of parenting. Yeah. Right? And she has actually voiced that to both her mother and I, where she's like, man, it's not fair. The, the boys get treated different. And in that moment, both my wife and I had to, come in agreement and come to her and apologize for not giving her what she needed. Cause we have a debt to, we owe our kids yeah. whether we see it or not. 
right? We have to raise up children that mentally able to go out into this world to be a productive member of society, right? That is what we're tasked with. Yeah. And in that moment, she was feeling like it wasn't, it was unfair the way we raised her. So we had to see that, address it, apologize, right? And then show her a different way because she still deals with that. I mean, she picks on her brother and stuff like that. And that was me being super harsh on her because she was my little girl, you know what I mean? And me coming from an environment, you know, you know what they say that what walks in fathers runs in sons. That's the way I was raised. Yeah. So I started showing that to my, my daughter who at the moment she was the only child I had Mm -hmm. and, um, I raised her very harsh. So she does that too with her brothers. And it's like, no, we're trying to show them a different way, honey. Cause it affects them. Cause now the middle child, right. Starts picking on the, the younger child and the younger child goes to school and now he's being a bully. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a snowball effect that we need to address. And it starts with us changing and then working all the way down through each child. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's something that, you know, my, my wife has always been terrified that she's going to raise a mean girl. Um, and something that we do is, you know, it's, it's easy to say, treat each other with kindness. Right. Mm -hmm. But I try to value their opinions and what we do in our house is not every decision, but a lot of decisions, um, that have been discussed between me and my wife and not necessarily decided upon, but decided that it's, um, uh, the two outcomes, the two possible outcomes, either one of them will be okay. We let the kids weigh in on those and they may. Mm -hmm. They may seem like adult decisions. They may seem like decisions that kids, you know, it, it's it's measured and it's it's analyzed. And then we're not in any danger of, you know, hey, should we buy this $14 million house or should we invest our money? That kind of thing. But um that that like cultivates this atmosphere in my house of everyone's opinion matters. And that way, whenever, you know, they 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 don't pick on each other as much because everyone has like an assigned value that they can feel. It's tangible. Mm, no, I like that. Yeah, definitely. That's where you start seeing that validation you yeah. know, throughout. Yep. No, I really like that. How big does our hormones and the hormones level, how big of an impact does that have on fathering? For me, it was um, one of the only one of two things that mattered, period. One of the first one was God. Um, I had a huge breakdown moment with God uh, about 12, 13 years ago. And the other one is, is my hormone levels. My mm -hmm. testosterone, when it was deficient, uh, I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the focus, the mental ability. I didn't have the drive to want to be better emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, I was an anxious mess. So for me, it is, it is one of the two most important things I could have ever done. Um, a lot of guys experience, uh, you know, like a lack of libido and that kind of thing. That wasn't ever my thing. It was all mental health with me and, and physical energy. So that was, that was a huge difference for me. I wasn't able to get down on the floor and play with my daughter after work. I had to go take a nap just because my, my T levels were so low. So it was, it was impactful for sure. Yeah. I had a, uh, a good friend of mine who reached out to me and, um, he didn't even know that his test levels were low. He just had this, like you said, lack of libido for his wife, yeah. even though she aggressively pursued him. He didn't want nothing to do with her, unfortunately. Um, what that led into was an affair. Yeah. 
Okay. I started off as an emotional fair and then it turned into a physical fair. And, uh, until he hit rock bottom with that, then he was, you know, I guess pride. Cause when I asked him, I was like, why didn't you go check to see what was going on with you physically? And it was pride. He didn't yeah. want to admit that, Hey man, my test levels are low or he didn't even want to go see. Right. But unfortunately when he hit rock bottom, he was able to go see and get tested. And they're like, man, they're like super low. No wonder you don't have no libido for anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or energy, or like you said, uh, sex drive, energy, all that different stuff that it affects. Right. So, yeah. you know, it was good that he went and checked that. It was unfortunate that he had to go through that, but it wasn't until he hit that, that he was able yeah. to go and get tested. Is what so saying. is he on TRT now? Yes, he is. Probably a totally different guy, huh? Totally different guy. Um, he's changed his eating because we understand that uh, eating has a big, um, you know, there's certain foods like soy processed foods and and doctrine disrupting chemicals that you should avoid, like alcohol and stuff like that. So he's basically changed his whole lifestyle. You know, he's got trimmer and everything. So nice. Yeah, it. Um, you know, I was I was white collar, but I was just kind of middle of the pack, non management mm-hmm. within three months of starting TRT, which was a hurdle to get on it. I, I was told uh, when I said, Hey, I've been doing some research on my own. I think I'd like you to test my testosterone levels. My doctor looked at me and said, look at that beard. There's no way your testosterone levels are low. We're not going to test them, which is total BS by the way. I mean, it, it, it's not related. Um, so anyway, within three months I had re-enrolled in college. I had gone back and become a student to become a student uh, within a year I was moving up into management within a couple of years of that. I was, you know, had my own businesses multiple. And I mean, it just the ambition, um, having the podcast, I, I would never be able to speak. I was the guy that failed public speaking in high school. So to be able to come on shows like yours or to host my own show is, is not something that I would have been able to do without, without my normal testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. What are some, common misconceptions surrounding the issue other than the beard thing you know because i've heard that guys that have high test levels actually start going bald is that true? sometimes sometimes okay. yeah the dht can uh, can convert if male pattern baldness is something that runs in your genes then higher test levels are going to exacerbate or expedite that hair loss for sure um misconceptions i would say the biggest one is roid rage we don't get more aggressive. In fact, I'm more humble. I'm more gentle. I'm kinder with my hormone levels balanced than I am with them skewed. Um, if anything, it would be estrogen. If your estrogen is too high, that, from what I have seen, makes guys a little bit more aggressive. So the roid rage is is not a thing at therapeutic levels. Um, it's not easy. So it, it's not you know steroid abuse because it's something that's monitored. Whenever I I do labs several times a year. I've been on it for 10 or 12 years and I still do labs, you know, three or four or five times a year. Um, I'm pulling full panels. I'm doing CBC and CMPs and I'm checking thyroid and I'm, I'm looking at everything I could possibly look at. And so it's not, it's not something that is just easy where it's like, okay, I'm going to get some testosterone from the local guy at the gym and I'm going to inject it. I'm going to be on my way and everything's going to be great. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's, it, it, it requires a lot of time, energy, and effort. So it's something that's worth it in most guys' cases, but it's it's not something that can just be handled generally by your primary care physician. Now that's good to know, you know, especially us oh so we're in Southern California where we're so close to Mexico. Yeah. You Easy know, to get. 
easy to get and stuff yeah. like that. Um, are there any specific strategies or lifestyle changes that can help for individuals that cope with testosterone loss or its effects? I have never seen someone go from deficient levels mm -hmm. to what I would call optimal levels without hormone replacement therapy. Okay. Uh, you can certainly raise it. You can raise your natural production, but you don't generally raise it even with diet lifestyle changes. Um, you're not, if you're low, you're low. If you're, you know, 400 at, at 35 years old, you're, you may be able to raise it to five or five fifty, but you can't get up into that 11, 1200 range that you need to be in without testosterone replacement therapy. Mm, mm. So definitely reducing like cortisol and, and stuff like that. I mean, they can help, but it's not going to get it to where it's optimum level is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And generally it doesn't get it, you know, your, your testosterone fluctuates on a daily basis throughout the day mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, that's, that's why a lot of insurance companies require you to test two or three times before they'll actually consider covering the treatment. So, you know, if, if you go in there and you test at 400, the next day, maybe you test it for 70, mm -hmm. but, but certainly not at the, I would say average minimum eight, 900 that you need to test at to actually feel better. I like that. You said that the beard thing, right? Cause I always thought facial hair, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, one of the things I've been using is maca, you know, I maca and, um, What's the other one that I've been dealing with at night helps me sleep and reduce cortisol ashwagandha. Okay. Yeah. You know, we kind of took a holistic approach just because, you know, my wife and her chronic illness, mm -hmm. you know, Western medicine had failed her. So we decided to take a holistic approach and it it's helped me. Um, yeah. I haven't felt like I've needed that, but it's just, you know, being 45 years old, it kind of, kind of starts helping you, you know what I mean? Heal better and feel better and stuff like that, you know, strength gains and stuff like that. So I've been dealing, dealing with that, but a lot of my younger friends, they have low T. I mean, I had one guy come to me and tell me, man, that his testosterone levels were that of an 80 year old man. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a, that's another common misconception is the, the lab test that they use when they test your testosterone Mm -hmm. ranges between, you know, 300 and 900, sometimes 300 and 1100, somewhere in that range. That, that range includes 80 year old men. So if you go in and you test at 301, they're going to tell you that you're within the normal range, but at 45 or, you know, at 35, that's, that's not necessarily normal. The 301 may be normal or average for an, an 80 year old, but not for a 35 or 40 year old but that's kind of what insurance is looking for. They want, you know, they want to make sure that you, that you need it, but it's a business, right? So their, their end goal is to deny as many claims as they can to, to put that money back on their books. So if, if you're over 300, you're not getting covered by insurance. Mm, no, that's good to know for sure. What are some important considerations for those considering this option of testosterone replacement? I would say just be prepared for it to be real work. There's probably, okay. um, I don't know, maybe maybe forty percent of the guys on TRT that that I've come across mm -hmm. are just simple. Here's your prescription, go with it, and then they don't get any kind of side effects. They don't they don't need to adjust their dosing. They don't need any real hand holding. 
the other 60% of us are going to have to put in some real thought, some real work. And and by work, I mean, you're going to need to write down how you feel. You're going to need to write down what your dosing was. You're going to need to pay attention to your symptoms. And it's a process. And I call it getting dialed in. You can be on TRT or you can get, you can be on TRT and really be dialed in. And, and it's worlds of difference if you're willing to put in the effort to make sure that you're communicating with your specialist, you know, this is what I'm feeling. This was what my dose was. I'm, I'm this hungry. This is how many calories I'm eating, that kind of thing. No, that's important to know for sure. Now I told you a story about a good friend of mine, right? About, you know, what happened to him. How can couples navigate the challenges that arise from hormonal imbalances and also maintain a healthy and fulfilling relationship? What have you seen? Yeah. So it, it tends to be really difficult. And and what can happen is, you know, maybe both of their libidos are are down. I see that quite a bit. Or the, you know, the females, the, the male's libido is down because of testosterone deficiency. The females is down because, because the male is not leading the household the way that he should. She's not as attractive as, as he, she's not as attracted to him as she once was because he's, his alpha status has fallen. You know, he's not the leader that he once was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, there's a couple of different scenarios. I see females leading the charge. Hey, something's wrong with my husband. We're going to join your community and we're going to figure it out for them with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I see guys that that are able to lead that charge for themselves. But then a year later, they're like, hey, my wife's libido, mine is sky high. Hers is way down in the dumps. Uh, and ultimately, they the woman usually ends up getting on some sort of hormone replacement themselves. But I think um, what I would say to a woman uh, what I would hope for a wife to do is if something changes with your man, mm-hmm. be patient, ask questions, uh, give him a safe place that he can be vulnerable with you about those things. And if, if his libido's down, there's a reason, maybe it's, maybe it's an emotional thing or a mental thing. Maybe it's some stress at work, that kind of thing. But if it's an extended period of time, check the hormones, see what's going on there. No, I like that you said, create that safe space. I mean, because our whole world surround or it is revolves around that, right? It's our ego, right? And you know, whenever that's attacked, obviously there's going to be certain emotions that are attached to that. So just create a safe space. I, I like that that you said that. You know, no man wants to go to any person, but especially their wife, and say, "Hey, I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with me." I don't feel like I'm leading this family. I don't feel like I'm leading you. I'm not the same man that I used to be. Guys don't want to say those things. So you might have to coax it out of them. I like that you talked about the woman leading the charge. Now I've seen also, and I've also seen, um, I've read where there has been certain issues that have derived from men stepping back and leading their families to where women now have to, step into those roles and carry this weight that they never meant were never meant to carry right to lead the family um that's led for them having higher testosterone levels as well pcos which is another type of uh, hormonal imbalance um where the women actually start growing facial hair yeah you know a little bit and um it's also led to a lot of uh of um miscarriages yeah you know, so stress on the mind and body that they weren't intended to to be carrying. Mm -hmm. So I always like to let husbands know, because especially within the line industry that I I'm accustomed to that I work in, 
you know, when you're gone a long time and you're putting all this weight on your wife to take care of the home front, you're going to burn her out. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to start seeing it in her stress levels and everything else. And it's, it's a spiral effect. You definitely don't want to get behind the power curve on that one. Yeah. You want to address it. There's a, there's an entire movement these days where, you know, the women, the women are wanting equality in the household mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And uh, it probably started decades ago with women wanting to enter the workforce and that kind of thing, which by the way, I got no problem with anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I would say that in my household, it leans more towards traditional, but um, I was talking to my wife the other day and she told me that she thinks that I handle over half of the domestic responsibilities, the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, that kind of thing. And she's a stay at home mom. So if we lean towards traditional, it's not like I'm throwing my hands up and saying, dishes are your thing. I'm not touching them. No, I do those things because one reason is because her love language is acts of service. So if she sees a task as hers, and it's especially easy if I don't see it that way, I don't see dishes as her task, but I know that if I do dishes, it's going to get her, it's going to get her feeling certain kind of ways about me. So it's easy for me to want to chip in around the house because I get quick responses for it. Anyway, that's, that's not my point. My point is that there's this movement where women want equality in the household and they want, um, they want to share in their masculine and they want the male to share in the female's feminine and just kind of cross lines and and go back and forth. And I, I personally think it's pretty dangerous, you know, the way that, the way that they're living their lives and it's, Putting the men in their feminine sides and putting the women in their masculine sides, doing exactly what you're talking about, you know, causing other hormone deficiencies and and ultimately even um, issues with conceiving and carrying babies. It's crazy, you know, because it's a movement, but it's like, man, it's like, isn't that what we're seeing in the world today? Like more prevalent, you know, where boys think they're girls and girls think they're boys and the confusion that we're causing and the chaos that is being caused by that. I can't even wrap my brain around what's going on with high school age children these days. I mean, it is, it's nuts. I don't, I don't get it. I had a conversation the other day with a, a kid and he was talking about how you know, transgenders and stuff like that. And um, I told him it was a mental illness and he got kind of offended with me. And I said, okay, so let's look at it from a a father's standpoint. Okay. Say I have a daughter, she's bulimic. No matter what I tell her, she sees herself as fat. Okay. She's always looking in the mirror. She sees herself heavy, even though she's totally emasculated. Her, her, her body weight is super below to where it's dangerous. Yeah, but she continues to see herself in that aspect. I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Well, that's a mental illness." Okay, I was like, "So if you agree that that's a mental illness, then a a, a little boy or a little girl who sees themselves as a woman and then goes and gets the surgery which emasculates their body, and you know gets a surgery where it takes off their their certain private parts, I was like, is that not considered a mental illness too? Isn't that body dysmorphia?" Man, he's just like, "Well, I never thought of it that way." And I was like, well, there you go, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a result of this you do you mindset that we adopt, you know, mm-hmm. this um, whatever makes you happy, go with the flow kind of kind of mentality that that humans tend to have these days. I like uh, 
there's a saying, and I, I don't even know who the guy who said it, but it says that um, if you stand for nothing, you're going to fall for anything. Yeah. You know, I think as leaders of our home, as fathers, we need to stand up right, and draw the line in the sand and be like, hey, enough is enough. I had a past guest on here talk about how for so long we have taken a back seat as fathers because we're always working. We're always, you know, chasing after the big job, doing this, doing that. We're sending our women to go out and fight. Mm -hmm. Literally. He's like, Oh, what do we do? We come home, we work a 24 and eight, you know, which is 24 hours and eight off. You know, we sit on the couch, we're tired. We just worked. There's a PTA meeting. So what do we do? We send our wives to that battle. Yeah. Okay. He's like, now they go there and they're talking about transgenderism and pushing agendas on our children that I wouldn't agree with if I was there. But guess what? I'm not there because yeah. why are wives are there? So now we're not even, you know, we're, we're sending them to a fight that we should be there for. He's like, and I'm not saying to, to get all aggressive and stuff like that. He's like, but imagine if a bunch of masculine men showed up and they're trying to push these agendas down our throat. Do you honestly think it's going to have the same effect as a 90 pound a female who's there by herself right? versus yeah. a six foot five, 270 pound journeyman <laughs> lineman there with right. his buddies saying, Hey man, you're not going to teach my kids about this stuff. Yeah. You know you're what I mean? Taking that book out of our library, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's absolutely right. You know, we need to stand up and we need to start fighting the battles that we were meant to fight. You know, it's exhausting, you know, and, and I, I do it. I'm, I'm at the school stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't send my wife to much of anything by herself. We do a lot, most things together. Uh, and that that's how I've been able to kind of skirt the line between um, my professional career, my family, the time spent, that kind of thing. I, if I've got a business trip in, in Florida, they're coming with me and, and that affords us the time and the ability. They, they work for me. That, that gives us the ability for dad to be at the sporting events and at the the meetings and the orientations and open houses. Um, and it's exhausting mentally, but you have to do it. You have, to, even if we removed the agenda pushing that you're talking about, you got to be in those kids' lives, every, every piece of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't not show up. That's important to me. Doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, parent teacher night, all that matters. No, that's good to see, man. And for you guys who are listening, you need to do the same thing. You know, our podcast is called the show up dad for a reason because they need you to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Even to me, even if, you know, and this is going to get personal and probably piss some people off, but if you have to work that 24, eight, maybe consider reevaluating your habits, your lifestyle to where, you know, dad can work more of a normal job and 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 support his family you know maybe you don't have the rv that you go camping and make some sacrifices like that because the sacrifice you should not be making is the parent teacher night the meet the teacher the open houses you got to be there for those yeah definitely i think for so long we have sacrificed our children on the altar of success yeah but uh i want to we're getting down to it now brandon i wanted to ask you some uh some questions here what do you think about bioidentical versus traditional test replacement? Is there any pros and cons that you've seen or? Uh, honestly, I think that's, that's more of a marketing thing. Um, okay. it's, it's not something that, that matters much. If there is any sort of difference, I think that a lot of doctors use that as a, a marketing ploy. 
Okay. Okay. Now the administration method matters. Um, if you have a doctor that's pushing pellets, those are generally, generally bad news for guys. Really? Uh, yeah. The alcohol based topicals, those are absolute trash. Uh, there's some compounded creams that work okay, but if you put it on, your wife's going to get it on her, your children are going to get it on them in smaller doses. But you know, if you've got, you don't want your wife getting any, if she doesn't need it, you don't want your you know toddler getting any period. Um, so the injections are, are generally the easiest and most efficient way to deliver it. But as far as bioidentical or synthetic, doesn't matter. So what makes the pellets not? Um, a couple of things. One, it's more expensive. Uh, okay. You get charged for a procedure whenever you do it. Two, it's painful. Um, even after they heal, a lot of guys complain. It feels like they're always sitting on their wallet. Like you can always feel something in there. Uh, but the biggest reason for me is that they don't typically, so, you know, I mentioned earlier that, that it's difficult to really dial yourself in there and, and get your, your T levels exactly where they need to be in relation to all of your other hormones. And when you're just sticking grains of rice in your butt cheek and hoping for the best for six months at a time, there's no dialing that can be done. They're in there. You're getting what you're getting. They will tell you that, you know, they should last six months, but a lot of times they don't, they maybe last 60 days and then you feel great for two months. And then you're just slowly declining for the next four months before they're able to take them out and put new ones in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that definitely clears up some questions I might have. Um, I have a lot of friends who take the pallets, yeah. you know, so hopefully they hear this <laughs> you know what i mean they're um, super convenient right they sound convenient because it's just a quick thing and then you're good for six months what are some key takeaways or lessons that you hope listeners will gain from your experience as a father husband and an advocate for testosterone health brandon if you don't mind yeah so uh, as a father um I would say that it's super important to be patient and kind with your kids to show up for your kids. That's the best, you know, couple of things that you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, as a, a representative of testosterone, I would say that if you feel something's off, check your levels. You don't have to involve your doctor. You can walk into a Quest Diagnostics or a LabCorp. You can get um, you can get tests done without your doctor. You know, visiting your doctor. Uh, you can visit DiscountedLabs.com. They, you can literally purchase a lab requisite right there. Test your own, test your own levels. See where you're at. Um, if a doctor tells you that your 300, your 400, your 500 is is normal and there's nothing they can do, and you're not 85 years old, question that. Seek another opinion. There are tons of resources at testosteronepodcast.com that I would encourage you to look into, and including finding a doctor if you can't find one that's going to treat you well, or if you've been trying to get dialed in with somebody local and and they just can't do it, reach out. I can definitely set you up with somebody. Right on. Thank you once again. And how can they reach out to you, Brandon? Uh, I think the easiest way would be to text TRT to 66866. That just kind of all my links will will be available in, in that way. And we'll also have that on the show notes as well, brother. Once again, thank you for coming on here and sharing your experience in the realm of blended families, all things testosterone, and just shooting and talking with me, man. Just it's, it's awesome to, to talk to other fathers. So thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. We'll be talking to you soon.